Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night Podcast. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure as always to be in your company. And I say this every single week, so... I apologise to the regulars, but if this is the first time you've ever come to us, uh, don't forget to hit subscribe on iTunes, therefore you never miss out on any of the things that we do on a week-by-week basis, getting you closer to combat sports. You can also get it on the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. Uh, now, we had loads of guests on Saturday night, one of which was Ricky Hatton. We've done a special podcast for that interview, so again, you'll have another podcast to listen to if you hit subscribe. But we're going to start this show by talking to Billy Joe Saunders at the weekend, 2nd of May. Billy was supposed to be in action against Canelo. So Gareth A. Davis caught up with him to find out how he's getting on on the night that he was supposed to be in Vegas. How do you feel? Because I know I wish I was in Vegas tonight. How do you feel? I mean, how do you feel about not being in Vegas tonight, walking to the ring against Canelo Alvarez? It's one of them, Gareth. You know, it's... uh... It's a pandemic that's going on. It's one of them that's out of every one of our hands. So, you know, it's it's not through my own fault or an injury. I think that'd be more painful. But at the minute, the full world stops, so it's a bit more easier to cope with. To be honest, I mean, I'm so. I think I'm more disappointed than you are by the sound of it. I mean, it's incredible how you cope with it. Yeah, I just think that it's, it's, it is what it is, Gareth. And you know, you can't just you can't mower on about it, and you know, get down. Um, instead, instead of fighting for, you know, the biggest prize in boxing in Canelo Alvarez for the victory, I'm, I'm set down chilling out playing cards on the farm. You're playing cards on the farm. Yeah. Are you up? The point is, are you up? Uh, uh, listen, you never, you never up to your little table, Gareth. Are you? So my mate, <laughs> my mate, I'm only playing my mates. So They're probably going to rob me. Are you are you <laughs> are you using old pennies or are you actually putting stacks on the table? Oh, we're having, we're having little small stacks, only small stacks, mate. Small stacks. Nothing to talk about. Food money. Food so money. Listen, do, what I'm going to do is going to get drunk. I'm going to get drunk tonight and have a fight because I was meant to have a fight tonight. You know what I mean? So I might have a fight here. I got you. So are they tra- are they all travellers you're playing cards with? 
They're all the gypsies. Yeah. So could there be a, like a fair fight going on later on with you kind of ducking and weaving and knocking a couple out? Well, just it, there's about six or seven of us here, so I could have a fight with one. One knows me a few could all the time. Danny Turner, he's a bad player. Everyone else knows. He's. <laughs> um, it's amazing that you're dealing with it in this way. I mean, did you set out to do this today and do keep yourself occupied in this way and be with mates because? You know, there could have been a level of disappointment, or did you deal with that weeks ago, really? No, you know, I dealt with it when it first happened. You know, to be honest with you, Gareth, it's one of them, mate, where it's out of our control, isn't it? You know, it's completely out of our control. We can't do anything. We've just got to get on with it, and uh, that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm um, doing, mate. I've spoken to, yeah, I've spoken to Ben Davison the last couple of weeks, a couple of times, and he was saying that you guys are, are thinking about and planning and you know, wanting to get back in the gym and talking and working a little bit. How, how are you? And he also said, by the way, that you, you, that he's kind of talking to you about weight and you staying fit and that you're staying close to the weight as well. Yeah, look, Gareth, for me, it's a well-known fact. I, I, I like to, um, when I'm not, when I put all the hard work in, I like to enjoy a bit of yeah. family time because it's, um, mm. it's very, very hard, isn't it, obviously, being away all the time. And um, I thought I do get a bit of time. It's one of them. You get a bit of time and it's really chill. So I'll have a, I've had a couple of weeks chilling. I had a week doing nothing then breaking myself into a bit of bike riding and bending coming down and doing a little bit. So yeah. it's, uh, it's one of them, mate. It's one of them. But listen, I'm dealing with it nice and well. But I just hope that the country can get back to to uh, to its normal self quite sharp. So we can all get back to the sport we love. Are you... You know, are you living on the site at the moment or not? No, I've got, I'm on my own place up the road. Up the road, just not far, but I'm on the site all the time. I, I like to stay in contact with the roots, Gareth. You like to come down one day and do a bit. I'd love to, love to. And I don't want to do a bit of the, I don't want to do the hands, by the way. I just want to play no. cards. And if I lose, I pay. If I win, I leave with my money. Well, we're settled for that. We're settled for that. I'll, I'll make sure you leave. <laughs> if you win, would you win as I make sure it escort you off? <laughs> At that point, I'll have to call my car to come and pick me up because I'll be making a bust out of there. Um, no, but the, the, what's um, when you go on, on the site, I'm interested in this because, you know, I've been 42 days on my own, my village, everyone's like talking to each other over the gardens and so on. Is there social distancing or, or has anyone had any symptoms? What's no, the... what they've done there, uh, Gareth, they're not letting any strangers in or out. Right. To not let any outsiders on. Um, yeah. You know, and it's basically, it's all one family, really. Like, you mm. know, they all live there more or less locked together, so they don't really mix. But, uh, yeah, they are mm. taking procedures to make sure, obviously, and be extra safe. This might be a sensitive subject with you. I hope it isn't. But I spoke to Ben Davison, and we also spoke to him on the show last week. We know you hit the bag, and you said the wrong thing, and people were very offended. Um, but But Ben said you really want to donate to a domestic abuse charity because you are remorseful you didn't mean it in a nasty way whatever people think and i've said on the show you're not like that um and but, uh, but is that true that you want to kind of show that you, know, you didn't mean it even though you didn't yeah, mean it? It, it it was one of those it was one of those silly things look i do do some silly things i'm sure the board are taking their own hours what they're going to do but you know whatever mm. it is i'll still be uh looking at our uh, the domestic abuse um foundations i like to see the board 
say to me, all right, well, we won't take it, but we'll let you, we'll let you give it to good use to, to, to the video that I made because, you know, I need to be obviously corrected for it and uh, it was a silly thing to do and I will be making the donation. Oh, that's good on you. Um, Anything else? What's in your fridge at the moment? Is I'm asking a lot of fighters at the moment on on pandemic. Um, what what what's in Billy Joe Saunders' fridge? At the minute, being as I'm not earning no cash and I'm starving at the minute, it's bread and cheese. Ask you <laughs> bread and cheese. Um, did you some rabbit? There's a lot of big plump rabbits and plump pheasants around at the moment. Notice oh, that. Well. That's the one, mate. That's the one. That's the one. Seriously, uh, though, because I, th- I don't think there's a lot of, um, you know, like you say, course shooting going on. Have you noticed the pheasants more plump this year? They are, mate. They're big. I had one the other day, believe it or not. It was good. Do you, do you hang it for a couple of days and let it uh, let it settle? We've got, we got an our other friend. So I, I'm not very good at that job, Gav. <laughs> I'm not very I good see... at that job. I, I, did you see that Andre Jacobs was calling out both yourself and Callum Smith? Uh, not Andre, um, Danny. Uh, Danny Jacobs, sorry. Yeah, I mean, look, Danny's a great fighter. He's a good fighter. I've got a lot of respect for him. He just wants the big fight, the same as me. Um, but, you know, getting the queue at the minute, me and Callum's obviously chasing bigger and greater things at the moment. He's a great fighter and he's up there with the best. But he hasn't got anything that interests us at the moment. He had mm. his chance against uh, both Golovkin and Canelo and... You know, they both took something both times, I'm sure. Well, they did. So um, let us have our chance, and I'm sure we can all mow it out, if not. But I suppose if the Canelo fight don't happen now, uh, I'm sure Callum Smith, well, I know Callum Smith will be up for the fight. I'm sure that Eddie can make me and him. But have you spoken to Eddie about the Canelo fight still going on, (laughs) which would presumably be September, October, November, December? I'm I'm staying in... uh, I'm staying in contact with my management at MTK. Um, yeah. They're keeping me um, informed. I know Eddie's under a lot of stress and, you know, he's got to get the fight dates on for all the fighters. So I'll let it go from my management and they'll just get back to me. You know, let's have an headache. Now, what are you getting up to in lockdown to keep the mind going and keep physically active? Are you flipping a tyre for five hours? Don't worry about that. You don't have to be doing things like that. That's what uh, light heavyweight boxers do when they're supposed to be fighting at the weekend for European titles. Callum Johnson came to join us to talk about um, some challenges that he's been setting himself in lockdown. I'm content and I'm, I'm I'm active you know I'm keeping myself busy and I'm in the gym I'm training hard in my own personal gym so I'm kind of keeping myself busy keeping myself active and I'm mentally in a good place you know ready for when it come, when we come out of it mm. um, you know it probably about this time to the exact second I'd be either in the change rooms now with a nice new European belt or I'd have been very disappointed one of the two so it's but but at the same time, you know, there's bigger problems going on around the world than than my, me missing out on a fight. So it's 
it's one of them, isn't it? You know, you just got to stay focused and, and be ready for when it all, all gets going again. Listen, there's method to our madness, mate. We, time, we, we, we booked you at the exact time that you would have been walking back with the bell. That's why, that's why we do these things on this show. Now, um, talk to me about tyre flipping. Because you've just been you've just been, speaking, <laughs> you've just been speaking about keeping yourself active, right? Now, listen, the majority Brilliant. of people in, in lockdown, Callum, right? Yeah, they're going out for the little 5K runs. They're getting out on the bike and they're doing a bit. And I know that you're doing that as well with the boys and stuff. But to be flipping a tyre and a big tractor tyre for the best part of five hours, mate, I'll tell you something, that's a different level. That's a different level of keeping active. Do, do you know what? I don't know if lockdowns... Uh... I don't know if it's good for me or bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, send, it's sending me mad in a good way. Do you know what? How it started, I was, um, a few weeks before that, my mate, a mate of mine was doing a charity a fundraiser and mm. he was trying to get people to run 5K and donate a fiver and his target was 500 quid. So I said, I said I'll said i jump on. I said, I'll do an 100K ride and I'll, I'll donate 100 quid and I'll try yeah, and build that, yeah. up a bit and we'll see what we can get. And and that sort of blew up. Adam Peaty got involved, and there was about nearly seven hundred riders took part in that in that one ride. And we sort of uh, we uh, we we raised the right few quid. Um, yeah. So then I thought, well, I'll do something next Wednesday and next Wednesday. And then someone um, that mentioned, what about flipping a tire? And I thought oh, that sounds a bit of a mad that. But I thought, well, I'll have a go. And yeah, that's where it started, and that's where it happened. And yeah, I ended up flipping a tyre for nearly five hours. <laughs> what, what was the distance? Because they set you a distance challenge, didn't they, for the tyre? Yeah, was well, it? it was, it was, but what, actually said 6.2 miles. So I stopped right, at okay. 6.2 miles thinking I'd done 10k. Yeah. So I was thinking, wow, that's some distance. And then I went back and checked it out, and it wasn't. It was actually 3.96, so <laughs> just short of four miles. So I flipped it for four miles, and, uh, I was actually disappointed when I realised because at first I thought I'd done it for six, but yeah, it still it was still some going to be honest. No fair play, mate. It's brilliant, Callum. It really is raising that twenty-one thousand pounds. Congratulations yeah, to you. Nice one. Um, we've, um, it's actually just gone over twenty-two now. So superb. Um, so you flipped a tire. I mean, you got you got horrible guns on you anyway for anyone fighting you <laughs> I, 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 I dre- you must look like desperate Dan right now with those arms but, so you've you, you flipped a 50 kilo tyre for 4 miles what was it 1200 burpees in an hour yeah yeah yeah. what are you doing next Wednesday um, I'm doing next Wednesday basically I done this Wednesday just gone I did half an Ironman yeah so <laughs> This next Wednesday, what I'm going to do is I'm doing. You're doing the other half. You're doing the other half of it. Yeah, I'm going to do the other half. Yeah. (laughs) All the other challenges, all all the previous challenges, I'm going to mix them all up into one and do like a, do like a. It'll take me about five or six hours to do it all, but I'm going to do a bit of battle ropes, a bit of running, rowing, flipping the tire, burpees, the biking, and sort of put everything into one. Go on, how long do you reckon yeah. can I can I set you a challenge? Right. I do battle ropes as well, yeah, but I mean I'm I mean I don't You go don't do them like Callum, mate. I'm telling you now you don't. No, wait, wait, hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on. You haven't seen me, I do it in private, right? I do all my battle rope work in private, yeah. I jiggle on my own. Now hang on. The, the, I, I wanna know, because I, I know you're an extraordinary freakish athlete, and, and you and I have sat down, I've got a lot of love for you. You know that. I, I've got a lot of love for you. How long can you do the battle ropes? Um, I don't mean at complete intensity, but how long can you keep going? I bet you can go over 20 minutes with them, can't you? Um, yeah, well, to be honest, 
the other day with the with the Ironman, obviously we, I can't swim, so I did battle ropes for the swimming part. I did twenty minutes the other day. Yeah, uh, that's extraordinary. That was, with, that, extraordinary. That was a twenty kilo weighted vest on as well. Not to yeah. not to blow my own trumpet, but <laughs> no, but it helps. No, but it helps with the weight vest on because it balances you and it holds you backwards. Trick of the trade. Didn't feel like it did. <laughs> Callum, Callum what, what is your strength and conditioning coach thinking of all this, mate? You know what I mean? Are you going up to heavyweight, pal? Or are we going to be able to keep you down at uh, light heavy? I think, I think I'm going down. If anything, <laughs> the amount I'm doing. I've, um, say, to be honest, we're in this lockdown, I've kind of, I don't know, something, a, a switch has just flicked. I don't know. I'm just living my life, living my life like maybe I should have been living it for, for years. Yeah. Kind of in, I mean, in such a good routine, a healthy place, mentally and physically, and it's, it's kind of, um, oh, it's a bad situation that we're in, and it's. I, I wish mm. it had never happened, but it's kind of done me a world of good. Yeah, brilliant. It's kind of made me brilliant. wake up, if you like, and, and and make me live my life correctly. And I feel, I feel as though the last four years, maybe I've maybe not really. I don't know. Got over my dad, if you like, and I've always been in a little bit yeah. of a, a little bit of a dark place. Um, sometimes worse than others, but mm. it's crazy, really, because this lockdown seems to have woke me back up and and kind of make me realise what's important and and how to live my life correctly and and helpfully. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think mm. a lot of people are finding mm. that. I mean, we speak about it on the show to a lot of athletes over the last few weeks, and people are being forced to do things that they wouldn't necessarily normally do or things that they, they, they take for granted for want of a better thing. I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. I know I'm not an athlete, but I'm definitely being forced into doing more things. And, and like you've just said there, it puts in, into perspective life. What's important, what's not important. And, and, and also, then obviously it helps you get your mind focused on the things that you want to, to gain out of life. And I know that one of your big ambitions is obviously becoming a world champion. So doing the things that you're doing right now is just the work behind the scenes to get yourself ready for when you're allowed to get back in the ring. Exactly, exactly. And, and like you say, the things we take for granted, like just sitting at home every night eating with my family and yeah. just small, small things that are making me so happy that, you know, that I, I maybe neglected a lot before and didn't really realise realize I was neglecting it, you know. So, yeah, and it's absolutely. like kind of, you just sit back and think, wow, all the things that I used to miss out on that I didn't even realise I was missing out on. And it's, and it makes you so much happier as well. And, and like you say, when things people see, keep saying back to normal, yeah. this is now my new normal. Uh, yeah, obviously, I'll be go- obviously mm. I'll be going back to Manchester um, and everything else. But some of the bad habits that I used to have and used to do, you know, they're gone. They're gone. This is this is my new normal. Has uh, just before we let you go, um, has uh, the uh, the little lad got used to his new haircut? Because I know that you uh, absolutely got him with the shears the other day and and, and took the lot off. Yeah, he likes, he likes it, to be honest. It's the old lad that don't like it. Yeah. It's the, we, we all had it. We've all had this year. So the, the younger lad was crying when he went up when I was doing it. But <laughs> after he kept looking in the mirror, a big smile on his face, and he, he really likes it. You will have seen quite a lot on social media recently. Uh, around Shakur Stevenson. He and Eddie Hearn, the promoter of Josh Warrington, have been going back and forth regarding an offer that was or was not made and where they're at in negotiations to make a super fight to unify that featherweight division. Well, we decided to get hold of the WBO champion, get him on the show, and get his take on where that fight is at and whether it can still be made. 
representing Brick City, Newark, New Jersey, Shakur Stevenson. This fight, this fight's over. gonna be over. Every gym I'm in, or every everywhere I go, and stand out like I'm, I'm special. Could he get rid of a guy who's gone the distance with champions? Blasted by Stevenson again. I want Josh Warrington. I'm a champion. You a champion? You said you wasn't gonna fight me unless I got a title. I got a title now. Let's work. Obviously, we saw you at the Wilder Fury fight, and the conversation that. Myself and Gareth had with you that day. You were very adamant um, with the opponent that you wanted. Josh Warrington was the name that you were mentioning. And you've posted this week on your social media that you can't get that particular fight. However, Josh Warrington's promoter, Eddie Hearn, has responded there, saying that they made you an offer of which you turned down. What is your understanding of it? What is the latest? Why is the fight? I know, obviously, we've got a weird situation at the moment with COVID. But why is the fight between you and Warrington not further down the line? Uh, because I had... Um... I didn't know about the uh, the offer that he had offered because I found out after I had the little argument with him. But I didn't know about the offer. I know that uh, he he um, he offered it during my fight week. So it was fight week, like during my fight week when he offered the offer. So I didn't get to like, feel me, ain't nobody really tell me nothing about it because we really focused on our fight. And I mean, I've- Go and with the offer, he offered the same as uh, Frank Warren. He didn't offer, like, nothing more, which I expected him to offer more because of the unification and how big the fight is going to be. So uh, I, uh, I thought he was going to offer more, but he just offered the same the same that uh, Frank Warren offered, and it still ain't it's, – it's still pennies, basically. Like, it's nothing that like, – not, I don't get how – is that, like, a unification fight money? Was the offer for a fight in the UK for you to come and fight Josh here somewhere in England? Yeah, but I'm cool with that. Like, that's not a problem. I, I actually want to go to England because uh, Josh Warrington, he like 30 fights in, and he got a bigger fan base than me, uh, which I like. I don't got no problem with that. I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm only 13 fights in, so that, that's how it's supposed to be. But um, – I didn't mind going like to England. England was not like a, not a problem for me. I wanted to go to England. England was better for me. Game more uh, England fan, fans and uh, a bigger fight, a bigger being in a bigger fight. So uh, that's what I actually wanted. Without obviously giving away the offer, what type of percentage do you need that to increase by in order to make the fight? Just a little bit more. If it's a little bit more, I. I I like bite my tongue and 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 and, and, and take it. Like I don't mind. Like if it's a, just a little bit more. Like it's not. It ain't nothing too hard that I'm asking for. I'm not asking for no. I ain't no fighter that's gonna price myself out. Like I'm not that type of person. So just a little bit more. Like I'm cool. Shakur, you you will have seen um, uh, Josh Warrington's fights with Kid Galahad, Lee Selby, and Carl Frampton, which were all big successes in front of very large audiences and brilliantly celebrated here. When I ask you um, about the featherweight division as a whole, out of like Gary Russell Jr., Leo Santa Cruz, uh, Warrington. 
Um, who for you is is the toughest fight in the division? The toughest fight in the division, if I'm being honest, I think my opinion, Gary Russell. But uh, it's not a. It's, me and Gary wouldn't be a big of big as a fight as a, a Josh Warrenson fight. Um, Gary only fight like once every yeah every year. So <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of hard for that fight to even be made, honestly. But uh, I think he would be the toughest fight. But I I, um, I think me and Gary would be I mean me and Josh would be a, a t- tough fight also, but uh, it's just I don't know if it's gonna happen now. What do you if bell rings okay? Because I'm fascinated about the matchup with you and Josh because you know he's a bustling, all action, uh, very busy fighter. You are so technical. You are ahead of your years in skills. I know that. Um, one of your one of the guys that you you see you see as an influence is Andre Ward, obviously, and he was so efficient. And I know that you want to be as efficient a fighter as you can. You know, you 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 come from a very hard background. Uh, you're steeped in boxing. Um, it is it is Warrington someone that you out technique in your eyes when you see your shapes moving together. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I feel like um, I'm a lot more technical, like you said. I think I'm a smarter and better boxer than him. Um, Josh is actually right when he say that uh, he don't got a uh, normal type of pressure. He got a uh, little defense with his pressure. Uh, he got uh, un- un- unorthodox type of pressure. So he's right when he always, when he always say that. Like I agree with him, but I don't think it's like nothing that I can't adjust to. So. Um, it's definitely a, a great matchup. It's boxer versus brawler. It's something like when Floyd, Floyd Ricky Hatton, basically. Like, that's mm-hmm. to put it like at, at, at the key. Like, uh, I feel like that's exactly how the fight uh, and frame you would think it would go. Mm-hmm. Shakur, have you, have you asked your management team and your representatives to, to go back to Eddie Hearn and, and continue the negotiations in order to try and make that fight? Yeah. And what, and I already what, and what, that. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just waiting on them to get back to me to see what, um, what, what, what they come back with. If they come back with anything different or like what's what is going to be. But I definitely well, already it. told them. I told them that I want to. Uh, can they like try to make the uh, negotiations and try to uh, negotiate it, the price higher? So. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. From a fan's point of view, it's not dead in the water because we originally thought that the fight was dead in the water. And obviously, you're back and forth with Eddie this week has, has kind of maybe reignited it a little bit. And it's good that you're obviously in that process now of speaking to your management, of which then they can obviously negotiate with Eddie. And hopefully, we can get some type of agreement on price to get that fight made. Yeah, for sure. I think, I, I think that... Uh... I told you, like, I'm not, I ain't ducking no fight. I ain't, I ain't no type of fight as a duck or fight or try to press myself. I already told you that, like, um, that's the reason why I told my managers, like, that's the reason why I was still arguing with Eddie. I argued, like, I went back and forth with Eddie on, like, Twitter and stuff just to spark a light in them because they keep saying, uh, you can. They keep uh, going with, like, you can. And yeah. so now I'm, like, trying to spark a light, like, mm. how, how y'all chasing a you can fight already in. It's still a fight out there with me and him. Like I don't, I don't like I'm trying to make sure they understand that. So, um, you know, this is a this is a big platform national radio show show here in the UK, Shakur, and you know, you you've had an extraordinary upbringing and away from boxing. I'd love to ask you, um, 
incredibly, you're the you're the oldest of nine siblings born to mum and dad, Shahid and Malika. But you took up boxing at the age of five under your grandfather, Wally Moses. Um, tell us about growing up in a family of 11 people. I mean, it must have been extraordinary. Uh, I mean, it definitely um, it definitely had its good and its bad. Like, uh, it was good times and bad times. Uh, but all in all, like, it made me who I am. Like, now I'm down in a, a better environment, and I got my little brothers and my little sisters be down here with me a lot. And, like, we living a lot better. So it's, it's so good, like, to be able to do that stuff now and... Uh, do you support the family? Do 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 you are you are you someone that supports your family? Yeah, for sure. I'm the I'm like the the rock. Like I'm the rock of my family. Like <laughs> I'm who who my family lean on. It. Uh, I don't mind that. Like I like being that that person because uh, that's lovely. And yeah, at the end of the day, uh, family is all we got. And my family treated me good coming up, so why not treat them good also? So yeah, I, I'm that I'm that rock for sure. I can't, that kind of shows as well, Shakur, in in the way that you're obviously handling your boxing business as well. You know what I mean? So many fighters of your age maybe would have let the whole situation maybe pass them by the, the, the Josh Warrington situation and just moved on and carried on regardless. I kind of like the fact that you've taken the bull by the horns a little bit, gone on social media, started making that noise again just to reignite the fire because fans want to see the best against the best. We know that it's you and Josh Warrington. We would love to see that unification. Uh, so fair play to you for uh, reigniting that, and fingers crossed we can get to a point where uh, where a deal is made and we get to see the fight. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that uh, I told you I want to be one of the best like to ever do it when it comes to boxing. I want later on down the line like people to say like I was the best and I never dug nobody, and I became like like what Sugar Ray Leonard or the Floyd Mayweather and them type of guys was. Like I want to be. In that spotlight, so at the end of the day, chasing a Josh Warrington fight is better for my career than than hurting my career. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. It really is a signature weekend in Las Vegas, isn't it? If you're a fight fan, you've got to try your very best to get to Vegas for Cinco de Mayo. Absolutely. I mean, it's an extraordinary, extraordinarily busy weekend. I mean, the algorithms of pay-per-view in America with a massive, generally Mexican audience. Um, as you say, Cinco de Mayo is, is a very traditional holiday. Um, and and they're probably more Mexicans, uh, pound for pound, head for head, um, in the world that watch boxing on these occasions. So, you know, when you think that 30 million people stop, put down their tools, put down, close the offices, gather with families to watch Canelo every time he fights. 30 million, million people minimum. It just shows you what a big star he is. He's a bit like Wayne Rooney, Ricky Hatton and Lady Diana um, rolled into one in, in, in his own country, all rolled up in that Canelo, which means cinnamon, of course, because of his flame red hair. Well, um, the, the history between... I hope we're going to get some mariachi music in a minute. But you want some mariachi? I, I I'll get, yeah, let's have some mariachi. Go on, then. We'll get you some mariachi. Yeah. <laughs> I might even just crack open a bit of tequila in a minute, a bit of mezcal. Oh, here we go. But, um, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> ah, vaya, vamos a las vacaciones. Hablamos en español. Cinco de mayo. Um, listen... It goes back to 2003, starting with an Oscar De La Hoya fight, where they decided to try and make it an occasion. And since then, Adam, I mean, I've been very, very privileged. I I was trying to count up earlier. I didn't actually have time to get all the way through the list, but I've definitely been at 10 of the last 16 or 17, and they are some of the biggest occasions in in modern boxing history mm. not a lot of heavyweights mind you but no. what it's done it's it's made the smaller weights from light middleweight middleweight uh um welterweight light welterweight it's made those fighters very famous on those occasions yeah, uh, I've just, I'm just looking down the list here. I was in Vegas for one of those, and sadly, Ricky Hatton, who's just been on the show, was on the receiving end of a sensational uh, knockout from Manny Pacquiao. That happened May the 2nd yes. uh, in 2009. If I may, were you at um, Mayweather Oscar De La Hoya? I was. The split, I, I the split to, if, decision. Yeah, if, if I may, because I want to talk to you about that one, right? Because that one, that one for me was kind of the, the changing of the guard type fight. When Mayweather mm. gets the victory there over Oscar De La Hoya, uh, the golden boy, the Mexican superstar, on a, on a Mexican bank holiday weekend, that's really where we saw the change of power in boxing move to Mayweather from Pretty Boy Floyd to Money Mayweather. And that is where he became the pay-per-view star in, in world boxing. 
Oh no, I mean, I mean, from there for the next ten years, all the way to that extraordinary uh, week or the extraordinary world tour with uh, Conor McGregor crossing yeah. over for Mayweather's fiftieth fight, which a lot of people have pilloried and 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 talked about in 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 you know in disgust, almost like the purists of boxing. Um, I, I've never had an issue with it because um, in an event itself, it was extraordinary and it produced some drama. But I think what what Mayweather obviously had been promoted. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, uh, as Oscar De La Hoya was, of course, at the beginning, both mm. men were promoted by Bob Arum at the beginning. And, and when Mayweather broke away from Bob Arum, he was able then to, to earn the astronomical sums as his own promoter that he went on to make as a boxer. And, he, and you know, at the time, he was still... Uh, Lil Floyd, that was obviously his 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 ring moniker, his ring sobriquet. But from there, that's where the money persona came from, Money Mayweather. And he built and built and built. And obviously, as we know, he, he got very close to um, almost a billion dollars in, in personal earnings from those extraordinary fights. He, he, I mean, he never fought anyone anywhere else after that, if you remember. And the MGM Grand became... Uh, his home. It was a changing yeah. of the guard. Mayweather became the force outside. Well, the heavyweights weren't uh, at force at the time because it was the Klitschko brothers dominating the heavyweight division all the way for the next decade till Tyson mm. Fury took the heavyweight belts from uh, uh, from Vladimir Klitschko in Dusseldorf on that night in in uh, in late November 2015. But I think one of the biggest that I was at was well well i mean well there's several of them really when you when you go down the list by the way um I, i'll come to canelo and and Amikar. <laughs> uh, May, mayweather um from that point took over at least if not two but one of those events every year but yeah. he was in rivalry for so long with manny pacquiao as the biggest star as well mm. odd that obviously a mexican bank holiday weekend and neither of those guys are Mexican. So, in your opinion now, how important is it that uh, that Canelo is where he is at in the in the, in world boxing for that bank holiday weekend? Well, I mean, if you, you you bring me to the point I was trying to make in 2016, mm -hmm. um, you know, he he fought Amir Khan. It was the first time that the T-Mobile Arena, which is the home of the UFC, and it's also used by very big boxing nights. That was the first ever event, if you recall, at the T-Mobile Arena, the newly built T-Mobile Arena, which has become an extraordinary uh, place to visit for tourists. It's built new, they've built new hotels around it. It's a great square now of celebration and bars and beautiful restaurants and, and where crowds gather and where musical concerts go on. And of course, Canelo from 2016 onwards, barring the fight between Floyd Mayweather and uh, and um, and Conor McGregor, has become the principal force in the sport. He is the man that commands that date every year now. Um, mm. You know, uh, although as you say, Tyson Fury has taken <laughs> over Vegas once as well uh, as well um, on the occasion in his powerful remit as a, as a real superstar in terms of being a, um, someone that people want to watch. They wonder what he's going to do. He's unpredictable. But I, I think the thing is with Canelo, I think 
ultimately he will probably dominate that date maybe for five more years you know um i'm just mm. i've just got a list of them here right you know i mean we we haven't mentioned some of them i mean some of the fights um you know well, the best one ex- the best one the best one without any show of a doubt is Corrales Castillo, is it not? You know, made the second 2005. That's surely got to be right up there. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. one of the greatest fights of all time. So I'd say that that's the, the best fight that we've seen on a Mexican bank holiday weekend. But if you look down the list, I mean, Mayweather Pacquiao took, play, took part. I know it's not what you would class as a stellar fight, but it was a bank holiday weekend or five years ago to the day. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, does it? But, you know, uh, it was. Obviously, Pacquiao, Ricky Hatton in there. Um, what, which is well, the one that stands out for you that you attended, Gareth? Um, I've, I've got to mention Mayweather and Pacquiao because it was yeah. five years in the making. I made a lot of money talking about it on radio for five <laughs> years. Um, but the, but the, the, the thing is, that event was so big and it brought together real rivals in promotionally, um, in televisual terms in America, the rivals both broadcast it. So when you have um, the rival promoters, the rival broadcasters, you, you literally, you had... All the the Southeast Asian uh, journalists, journalists, Japanese journalists, um, all the European journalists, American, uh, Mexican, everyone. It was it was so big, and if you know, if we, we if we look at it in in fiscal terms, you know, it grossed seven hundred million dollars as an event standalone. When you think about that in real terms, it's just staggering. Um, I mean, you know. I remember doing a story about, you know, I mean, about the the what what the sponsors were paying for, um, just to have their name on Mayweather shorts or the ring apron. It runs into tens of millions of dollars. Um, I, I, that really does stand out for me. One I really really enjoyed was Mayweather against Marcos Maidana for the pure drama and and, and thrill between. Uh, Maidana and uh, and Mayweather and of course at the time um, and obviously I was at that but at the time Amir Khan of course was in the running to fight Mayweather on that occasion and that mm. would have been amazing um, oh they're all got Mayweather and Cotto and Miguel Cotto was a brilliant fight from Mayweather it was one of his great performances because if you recall in periods of that fight, he wasn't even defensive. He took Cotto on toe-to-toe. Cotto was just over the hill at the time. Uh, that, when was that? 2012, wasn't it? Um, Pacquiao and Hatton was a brilliant occasion for British fans. They were still cheering Ricky Hatton's name when he was knocked out. You know, it was, it was extraordinary. On May the 9th. Fighting returns. That's right. The UFC are rocking up in Jacksonville, Florida, and they are bringing you a live event, UFC 249. The following Wednesday, they're doing another one, and then the following Saturday, they're doing another one. That's right. Three events, live events, fights, going on within eight days. Myself and Gareth got stuck into the bones of that this week. Jacksonville, Florida, the destination, all behind closed doors for UFC 249. Myself and Gareth will uh, get stuck into all that for you in a moment or two, but I think it's nice to hear some other voices with their opinions on it, especially those maybe not necessarily too connected uh, to MMA. Uh, Robert Smith, the main man at the British Boxing Border Control this week, caught up with Gareth uh, to give his thoughts about the UFC's three proposed events that are coming up in Jacksonville starting next weekend. There's nothing to say that we couldn't have a show on a Saturday and a show on a Wednesday. 
if it's working right. I mean, I don't want to go, I wouldn't like to go in as quickly as that. But of course, you've got to, you, then you're talking about isolating quite a lot of boxers or, or athletes over a period of time. You know, we're talking about different, UFC, et cetera, is slightly different from us because it's all one group of people. We're dealing with a number of promoters. You know, we're not going to, I don't think promoters are going to share a show and stick everybody in the same hotel. No, that's true. Have you, that's not the conversation I'm having with people. On that point, have you spoken to the obvious promoters, yeah. Frank Warren and, and Eddie Hearn? Have you spoken to them at, at length? I've spoken to Frank Warren. Well, I spoke to him this morning, actually. I have a lot of communication with Frank. I haven't spoken to Eddie, but I've spoken to Frank Smith, who does all the yeah. working with him. So that obviously that gets back to Eddie. And they're all on board. You know, they, they're all they're all appreciate what they've got to do. And whether they have to hire a floor of a hotel or hire a, ho a whole hotel, etc., they're willing to do it. And... Um, but, you know, we're not quite there yet. Um, and, you know, we're only in April at the present time. Um, and a lot can change. Uh, Robert Smith there speaking to Gareth uh, a little earlier on this week, um, giving his opinion on what the UFC are doing. Um, and obviously following from that, we saw uh, the British Boxing Border Control put out their, uh, their guidelines and help for promoters and fighters as to when British boxing will be uh, will be back in business. Interesting to hear him speak on that, uh, Gareth. I know that you've got a little bit of further information regarding the protocols as well uh, of uh, of how the UFC are proceeding in Jacksonville. For those that don't know, next weekend is UFC 249. That takes place on the Saturday. The following Wednesday, May the 13th, they've got another event, again, taking place in the same uh, arena in Jacksonville, Florida. And then on the following Saturday, May the 16th, so that's three events in eight days, uh, again, in the in the same venue. Gareth, what's the protocols? How they how they keeping everybody safe ahead of these three events next week? Well, as you mentioned, those three events in eight days, they're all in the same place, Adam. Um, the, the athletes and managers and everyone involved has been asked to take a test themselves with a home kit before they travel down to Jacksonville, Florida, which, of course, uh, Florida's not in lockdown now. Uh, there is a, there's a, de a large degree of movement there. Mm. Um, so what they've been asked to do, the guidelines are, you know, they've been laid out to, to all the fighters and managers. Um, they've, they've been explained that they, they, they're going to be isolated in a room each, that there's, there's, they're going to be allocated a room each to train with, um, to train in mats. They've got to clean the mats. Um, they're, they're going to be issued with cleaning equipment. They're going to be tested every day while they're there. As, mm -hmm. as the thing proceeds and I'm sure they'll do the same then when the next group come in they'll they'll have a kind of rotor system where they they check the next kind of group because obviously um, it's going to be three days um, as you know there's there's virtual press conferences and media yep. days leading into it Thursday Friday Saturday next week we'll watch the weigh-ins I'm sure that they they will have to distance uh, during the weigh-ins so they, they've been issued several um, well, but just basically very uh, defined guidelines on how they can order food, um, what what food will be open in, in the hotel. So basically, the entire hotel is like a lockdown centre itself. Obviously, there's no media there. Um, I don't know what the guidelines are around commentators and television and so on. They'll be they're working their own protocol. But if you think about it, they'll have um, television protocols from from ESPN, which is on, you know, it's on pay-per-view. They want to make money from this, so that's why they're doing this. Mm -hmm. um, it, they, they, they will have um, commission, Florida commission guidelines, and the UFC will have their own, gui own guidelines. So it's going to be a very unusual and very strict week. We're going to find out, in my view, um, 
how the fighters are going to handle this. It's going to be a lot of extra pressure. It's going to be like nothing they've ever experienced before. And I, I emphatically feel that it's going to have an impact on a lot of the fighters and the way that they perform on the night. Because yeah. I think it will be very unusual. They won't be able to go through the kind of... The, the, the eyeballing or the... it's I think it might be a very subdued week and I think we might see a lot of respect and I don't think we'll see a lot of trash talk and I hope that everyone carries themselves in that way and I think the UFC will come out of it um, very well. But they, they honestly, you, if you go through all the detail of the guidelines, it, it's a ve- they're, they're going to do something they've never done before because this is an exceptional circumstance. Um, and if I think if it works for the first one, I think they'll go ahead with the second one. I think mm. if there are issues with the first one, it wouldn't surprise me to see the other two binned, you know? Mm. Be interesting as well to see how boxing and other promoters do react to the events next week. We've obviously been, we spoke to Bob Arum recently, didn't we? And they're looking at uh, other states like Texas, for example, who were, who were another state this week that opened up. They opened up on Thursday. America's quite confusing. If you're not too uh, clued up with the political landscape of America, whereas here in the UK, obviously, we have rules and regulations for the whole country. Um, America runs state by state. So Florida's open, Texas is open, whereas you could go to New York and that isn't open at this moment. Um, so that's why we're specifically talking about Florida and that's why the UFC are there at this moment in time. Um, Gareth also caught up um, with Bellator president Scott Coker. Um, Bellator, obviously, arrival to the UFC over in the States. Um, he outlined his plans for MMA to return under Bellator. My goal is to get all 30 events in before the end of the year. Okay. You know, that's, that's my goal. Now, I will say this. We have a very uh, ambitious plan, but I like, you know, being ambitious and I want to make this happen. And we have international deals we need to fulfill. We have domestic deals we need to fulfill. Um, but the difference here is I think as people are coming off of, you know, this phase one, phase two, phase three, whatever you want to call it, from the shelter in place, um, I think the consumer, honestly, will have a hard time coming back right away. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take time for people to develop confidence, to, to go back to the movie theaters, to go back to uh, basketball games, to go back to – you know, boxing events, to go back to combat sports, MMA events, to come back to a Bellator event. So we decided, um, you know, in July, August, and September, and maybe even in October, we're going to be in a uh, soundstage either uh, on the CBS lot in L.A., maybe the Paramount lot in L.A., but we're talking to both of them right now. And, um, you know, we're looking at all the different options uh, around the country to uh, produce a in-house, we mean in-house meaning no audience in a soundstage, isolated uh, territory where, you know, we could basically control the environment, right, which is important in this case, uh, and uh, minimize the people that are going to be there, and we'll make, we'll make it a make-for-TV uh, make show only mm. and uh, get the product out to uh, our international broadcasters because, honestly, I think even if they open the gates up tomorrow and said people could start coming, I don't think they would come right away. I think there's going to be a certain amount of hesitancy uh, and consumer, uh, you know, uh, consumer fear of, going back to uh, big get big gatherings and uh, it's going to be different for a while. I will say that I believe that we will get back to, you know, some type of uh, normality here uh, in time, but it's going to take time and uh, you know, uh, hopefully we'll get there sooner than later. But you know, I, I believe that it's going to take time. So as you say, if that works with a setup, on the TV lot, made-for-TV fights, uh, events. If you start in mid-July, 
are you looking at one every weekend maybe yeah i mean um i will say this too you know because uh since the merger with viacom and cbs you know showtime is our uh you know part of the family now right and so bellator will probably go on let's say friday night showtime will go on saturday night yeah and uh and you know one of the things that will impact the uk is i think the same with the uk i don't think there's gonna be any mass gatherings anytime soon and that fight that we did not happen in june at wembley i'm sorry in may in wembley that we had scheduled mm. uh, we might bring those fighters to uh, the u.s because i'm hoping the travel ban will be lifted by then and we might bring those fighters into it and then we'll do a one o'clock show for the european fights live on channel five and then we'll do a nighttime show for paramount uh with a different set of fighters so uh it'll be live you know in the uk but it'll just be filmed uh in our in our uh let's say our fight set scott cocker there the president of uh, bellator speaking to gareth uh a little uh earlier on and and i suppose all eyes are on next weekend gareth with usc obviously bringing ufc 249 they've given us a stack card of which we're going to speak about shortly um the yep. level of entertainment that is coming our way is more certainly at the top end of the of the echelon. But again, like what you said regarding the safety aspect of the event, and no, listen, everybody knows my thoughts on the UFC. They are the premier. They are elite, and they will be doing. They'll be dotting the i's and crossing the t's in order to make this event for the for the staff and for the fighters incredibly safe. If everything goes swimmingly next week. Don't be surprised if the likes of Bellator, if the likes of Top Rank, if the likes of Golden Boy start putting shows back on by the back end of May, start of June. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think, like you say, um, the UFC have really stuck their neck out and you have to congratulate them on the tenacity of that. Obviously, you know, hands together, small prayer that no one does test or people don't, there isn't COVID around or anyone's affected by COVID, God forbid. Um, because you want, you know, it's an innately difficult, uh, a dangerous sport anyway. And the, the you know, there, there are further dangers with the coronavirus around at the moment with people mixing. Um, they, they will take every precaution, I'm sure. I mean, it was interesting to hear both Robert Smith and Scott Coker there, the British Boxing Board of Control General Secretary and the President of Bellator. They're planning to come back in about 10 weeks' time with a very similar setup when you think about it. Yeah. Because Coker will get all his fighters into one hotel. Um, and as, as, will, as I say, Robert Smith is saying about one hotel. And I know that Eddie Hearn has talked about that this week. The, the, the interesting thing is... When you look at what Coco was saying just there about this May May the ninth card in May the sixteenth card in the UK um, that was going to take place two weeks from now, it's fascinating that they might do that entire card live at one in the afternoon to do it in British time and then mm. catch up six weeks in a row from the six events by mid-July that they will have lost, which includes a San Jose event. So you've got Ryan Bader and Vadim Nemkov. You've got um, Douglas uh, Lima and Gegard Mousasi, Car yeah. Pedro Carvalho and Patricio Friere. Um, I think it's quite easy really, to catch really... up right now, isn't it? Because a lot of people are at home, they're thirsty for content, and TV channels yes. are thirsty for content as well. So therefore, you can go Saturday, you can go Tuesday night if you need to, you can go Wednesday night, yeah. whatever it needs, you Absolutely. can catch those events up. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I mean, what, what's, what's fascinating at the moment 
is you know we're we're in a we're in a moving mindset industry. It's very very creative. I've always said this about fight sports. You start with nothing. You get a venue. You book it. You bring the matchmakers bring the right fights together. Fans get excited about the matches being made. It's built. It you draw towards an event. There's an opportunity over the next two to three months to really excite in that way as long as the guidelines are being fulfilled life has to go on at some point i mean Mm -hmm. you know um we're all in lockdown life has to go on at some point we know that you can't not do it forever i remember listening to simon jordan on one of the football shows earlier in the week might have been with jim white talking about corporate manslaughter that you know and that's the expression he used and there were lots of headlines out of that in which you know, if you don't completely fulfil to the nth degree the the safety factors that you can ultimately put in place for the health of your staff, for fighters, for auxiliary staff, for TV crews, and that involves all the companies that employ mm-hmm. these people. Um, if you don't do that, there is there there is a risk legally for people around this. So you know. With all the sports going on, they're all considering these things all the time in minute detail. But our industry is very creative. And I've been fascinated to talk to people every week. As you know, we're regularly in contact with the leading promoters and administrators around the world. And I think they're doing a really good job at the moment. I think this is an extraordinary circumstance. We do all feel a bit stir crazy. Um, And I just hope that everything works out over the next, you know, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 14 Mm. weeks, where our sport does get back into some kind of normalcy. I don't think we'll have crowds for a very long time. I think it could be six months till they've Mm. found a vaccine, till they've tested enough people, till we, you know, till that herd immunity is there. All these different factors. Um, I, I'm kind of proud of what our, what, what our leading administrators are doing in our industries, all in their own ways, if you know what I mean. No, absolutely. All, all our promoters in, in Britain can do and all the guys that are running the UFC and Bellator over in the States can do is take advice from their governments. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier on, America is run slightly different than it is here in the UK. I know that Eddie and Frank are taking advice, as is Robert Smith, from the government. And that's how we'll move forward with the leading medical advice. Uh, and over in the States, they're doing the exact same thing. The States well, of Florida well, they are and they listen. aren't, Adam. Well, yeah, well yeah, listen, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, right, that, that, that's right for us to think whether they're right or wrong. But the State of Florida are telling them, yes, you can crack on. So therefore, no, they no, are taking you, advice but, from them. Yeah, I mean, look, Donald Trump as POTUS is giving out his advice, all right? But they cannot, he cannot control what the state governments um, want to do, the state senators, the, the, the state uh, governors want to do. Because, you know, it's a federal country. Um, it's a bit like, you, I, I, I don't know if people have seen it today. Um, you look at Huntington Beach in, uh, in yeah. Los Angeles, California. Crazy. There was, a, there was a demonstration today of thousands of people. Yes, many of them wearing masks because the, the, the governor of the state has, has put a lockdown on beaches 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, um, Long Beach, um, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach. You know, I, I, I stay often in these places. I use it as a holiday place. I stay there sometimes when there's fights in Los Angeles. I love the area. The Strand in Manhattan Beach is amazing. The comedy club there is extraordinary. The restaurants are fantastic. You bump into Sigourney Weaver and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, you know, it's an amazing place. But people are protesting against personal freedoms. And I think in the UK, the point I'm trying to make is that in the UK, we're much more homogenous. Amateur boxing um, and professional boxing under the guidance and strictures of the Boxing Board of Control are listening to the Boxing Board of Control who are following government guidelines. In America, it's a much more a jagged graph, if you know what I mean. So we are going to get people doing different things, from Bellator to the UFC to World Series of Fighting, to the professional fight league, leagues, to, to Tachi Pali, Palace Fight Nights, or whoever it is. People are doing different things depending on what state they're in. Now, every week, we get texts, tweets, phone calls asking about historical fights that fight fans should be going back and maybe having a look in the archive for whilst you're in lockdown, whilst there's no live uh, events going on. Um, we recommended a couple this week, and one of them is probably the most iconic knockout of most recent times. Take a listen to this. Well, it, historically, it's Joe Lewis versus Max Schmeling, and they, the, the fight I've picked is their second fight. Um, they fought, first of all, in 1936, and Joe mm. Lewis was knocked out uh, in the 12th round by Schmeling, who said he'd, he'd, he'd seen a way to beat Lewis, and he put on a brilliant performance. But the yeah. second fight um, that they had in 1938... Um, had all the it had a bigger picture around it. I picked it because the world's got a bigger picture at the moment. Yeah, and yeah. At the time, you know, it was World War Two, and you know, we're talking about the pandemic as being a a, a World War Three in a sense that this virus is attacking the world. But of course, um, the, the 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 Nationalist Socialist Party in Germany, the Nazis, were using Max Schmeling as as their poster boy for this fight. And, you know, and, and whereas Joe Lewis, both men had messages from the, the leaders of their countries going into this fight. Um, so it was um, that the, the propaganda behind Schmeling was massive, um, that the, um, uh, Lewis was told that he was he was representing the West against the rising tide mm. uh, of fascism. And of course, in the second fight, June 22nd, uh, 1938, um, uh, a year from the day that Lewis had won the world's heavyweight title, they met at the sold-out Yankee Stadium. You know, in those days when you can see all those tiny dots that are people where they were all standing <laughs> and so on, 70,000 fans, um, which included uh, J. Edgar Hoover, Gregory Peck, Gary Cooper, Clark Gable. The fight uh, drew a gate of... of of a million dollars at the time, equivalent to eighteen million dollars today. But this time, um, uh, Lewis destroyed Schmeling, and the, the the hats went in the air, the caps went in the air because it was a prelude to the West fighting the Nazis, and it was the first blow that they'd struck to win the Second World War. How about that? You love historical relevance when it, uh, on a wider scale well, I think, it comes into a fight. Well, no, no, well, no, you're well, right. I, I like it. I like the story I, behind well, it. Well, I, I do because I think 
societally and culturally, boxing um, for people of different colours and race and, and yep. the way society has moved, that whole period with Muhammad Ali, Jack Johnson, the first uh, African-American heavyweight champion in the world. It's, it's, the sport is about the emancipation of people as well, and it's, mm. it's symbolised that. And so, you know, it does get me very excited because th there's a deep, very deep resonance uh, in, 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 in the library of, of boxing history going back 150 years. Uh, the fight that I have picked for people to, uh, in fact, uh, I, there's four fights actually that people could go and watch this week because they're all compelling in their own right. And it is the uh, Pacquiao-Manuel-Marquez saga. The fight I'm picking is obviously oh, yeah. the fourth fight because of how clinical the ending was. Uh, but the first uh, three fights, which all went the distance and Manny Pacquiao has his hand raised, the, there's, there's controversy in quite a lot of all of those because people obviously thought that maybe Marquez did the business, even though he was knocked down in a couple of those fights and suffered, um, like I said, uh, time on his backside. But in the fourth fight, this is the, this is the only fight really that you got to see Marquez really make a dint into Manny Pacquiao early doors in the fight. Pacquiao was brilliant then after the first knockdown, but then the way that this fight finished was absolutely sensational. If I'm not mistaken, you were there for this, weren't you? Did you not go to this fight, the fourth fight between Pacquiao and Marquez? I did indeed. I did indeed. Um, and you know what? The, the, uh, you've got to say with with um, um, Marquez is is one of my favourite fighters of all time. I think we bumped mm. into him the last time we, we were did. in Vegas. Well, he was commentating um, on the same on the same row as us, wasn't he? And you actually you you gave me that fanboy moment when you said, "Just look over your shoulder," right. and I and I, and I turned around, <laughs> and Juan Manuel uh, was literally just literally sat next to me. Before we continue talking about it, listen, just to remind audience that are listening to this right now, I'm sure it's one of your favourite uh, rivalries of recent times. Take a listen to this. This is a bit of commentary from the fourth matchup between Manny Pacquiao and Manuel Marquez. They've had three very good fights. Is this too much of a good thing or is too much of a good thing a good thing? Let the thing finally begin. Is it round one or round 37? Pacquiao starts off with a straight left hand, fires two jabs. Neither fighter has landed yet. Left by Pacquiao, Marquez with the left hook. Hard oh. by Marquez, and for the first time in four fights, Manny Pacquiao has been knocked down. A fight breaks out in Vegas. The end of round three. Another good right hand by Pacquiao. Great right hand by Marquez. They trade shots again. And Marquez right there. And there goes the knockdown. Manny Pacquiao evens up the knockdown count as he puts Marquez on the canvas. Marquez wasn't respecting the face, and that's how Pacquiao caught it. Oh! Huge right hand by Marquez. Pacquiao was able to stand up. Marquez was off balance again. Now gets his feet back and tries to roar back to nail Pacquiao with the right hand. Oh! That's another knockdown. Sensational right hand knockout by a bloodied Juan Manuel Marquez, and that is the keystone moment of his career. One of the most iconic knockouts in recent memory. Uh, Manuel Marquez getting uh, the knockout victory over Manny Pacquiao. We just heard in the commentary there. Uh, Marquez landing that big overhand right in the third round, having Manny down. Manny retaliated, had Manuel down. And I thought Man Manny was brilliant. He looked absolutely sensational up until the last second of the sixth round where he was face planting down mm. and knocked out. And it's testament to him. <laughs> 
for him as a fighter and, and his conditioning and his love of this game, the way that he's bounced back after that, not many people come back after a knockout like that because that was a brutal, brutal knockout. I think it was a salutary moment for uh, Juan Manuel Marquez in his career there because in the first fight they'd had, of course, it was there was always controversy all the way through these four fights. And, and yeah. in that first fight... Um, uh, extraordinarily, Manny Pacquiao had Marquez down three times, yeah. but most observers, and I think myself as well, um, by the end of the 12 rounds, I think Marquez was a round or two up, but Manny still got the decision, um, mm. really based on, on knocking him down three times um, in that first round. I think I lost you for a moment then. I'm back, mate. I'm back. Don't you worry. Um, but yeah, we recommend Lovely. it. If you can if you can do all four fights, do so. But if you just want a, a quick fix, Manny Pacquiao, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez on YouTube this week. Go and have a little bit of a look. Uh, now, thank you so much for all your uh, questions that have come in via our Twitter feed. Uh, at Adam Catterall, at Gareth A. Davis DT. Uh, loads of little bits uh, coming in here. This is a quite a nice one, actually, because there's loads of people doing workouts at the moment, and this has come from Simon from Doncaster, and I, know, I, I think I know what answer you're going to go with, Gareth. Uh, my son is getting into boxing. Who would you recommend for him to watch and learn from if you could choose one fighter? Go for it, G. Uh, Andre Ward or Manny Pacquiao? Vasil Lomachenko. Go and uh, sorry, that. Andre Ward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Vasil Lomachenko. Who are you going? Vasil Lomachenko, if you, can, if, you, if you can copy that, then you, you're, on, you're on to a winner. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, what fight makes sense for Conor McGregor if he can't get a title shot right now? That's from Rufus in Macclesfield. What do you think, mate? Oh, gosh. Um, well, Frankie Edgar was put out there as a potential eight. opponent, but I think that's gone since uh, Conor beat uh, Donald Cerrone. Um, I, I, I think... Um, I'd like to see him fight the um, the, the the winner of uh, uh, Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. To be honest, um, you know, I, I think that it's it's definitely a fight I'd I'd like to see him involved in. Um, mm. I think Gaethje is a great opponent. And in fact, before this pandemic came, I'd mm. almost um, I mean John Kavanagh, his coach, was hinting it. Uh, yeah. to me in New York on March the 9th when we did a press conference there with Bellator. I mean, yeah. he was kind of winking to me about it. And I think they were looking at lining him up against Gaethje. And I think he's a brilliant opponent for him. I think Conor McGregor beats Gaethje and he beats uh, Tony Ferguson. I don't think he Oof. beats Khabib Nurmagomedov, but I think he beats those other two. I think Gaethje's a good shout for an introduction back down at lightweight. Uh, and I think it would have happened uh, if the pandemic wouldn't have come along. I kind of, I know this is going to be quite obvious, but I kind of like the Nate Diaz three fight. I just like it if he, if he oh, wants yes. to still mess about at welterweight. And of course, uh, there's that BMF title, um, which Jorge Masvidal is the champion <laughs> of at, uh, at welterweight. I think we'd all like to see uh, that dance as well. There's, listen, it's Conor McGregor. Well, he has got I'm, so I'm, many options. Yeah. Yeah, and funnily enough, um, I think in the last 24 hours, 48 hours, Dana White's been hinting that he's going to tease uh, Jorge Masvidal, uh, the Miamian, um, with a big fight. And it may indeed be Conor McGregor for later in the year. You don't know, because you can think about that fight behind closed doors without an audience would do massive numbers online. Um, mm. I wouldn't rule it out because they are going to be looking at some the most spectacular matchups they can make. And as you say, they're kind of billing uh, next Saturday night's uh, show, which I'm really looking forward to and looking forward to building up to. Um, 
you know, if that does big numbers and is very successful, I mean, that's being billed as, I don't agree that it's one of the biggest fights cards of, well, it is one of the biggest fights, uh, fight cards of all time, but not the biggest, because there have been mm. some extraordinary ones, UFC um, 100, UFC 200, all these mm. fights were enormous, all these events were enormous. Mm. Uh, in your opinion, Gareth, this is from John in Aberdeen. What is the most stacked weight class in boxing right now? Um, well, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to um, go better than, I think, the welterweight and the lightweight divisions, in my yeah. view. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I'm 100% with lightweight. I think, um, the, obviously, the champions there, we know that Vasyl Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez are the boys that are carrying the belts. You've got Devin Haney in there as well, our very own Luke Campbell. Uh, you can keep on going with the likes of Orion Garcia, Tank Davis. I mean, it's crazy. That lightweight division's brilliant, I, I, like you. Like you. Welterweight and lightweight are the, are the divisions for me. Uh, for talent, of course, but we always love heavyweights, don't we, when they're, when they're getting it on. Um, here's a nice one for you, just to uh, finish off the show, from Mark from Stevenage. Of all the fighters that you ever interviewed, and I'm assuming that they're including MMA in that as well, uh, who has been the most memorable, Gareth? Oh, God. Marvin Hagler, <laughs> Tyson Fury, Floyd Mayweather, when he was doing a, a day when he was giving away money for pe people for homes, three homes, he was giving the money for them to build 150 grand each. Mm. That was a very nice moment with him. Our, our very own Ricky Hatton sitting there interviewing yeah. him up in the old uh, hat factory with people like Kerry Kays, who he mentioned there, a strength and condition coach, and sitting in the back room after him doing a workout with Billy Graham, you know, 40 fags a day, voice like crushed coal, um, <laughs> sitting there chatting to Ricky and Billy with um, this lizard that was about two metres long, uh, two foot long, crawling on the on the back of the sofa behind Billy's head with Billy just stroking it while we're interviewing him. And it was like, a, it was so, because the lizard had to have warm conditions, it was like a, it was like sitting in a sauna with about 15 of us interviewing them both. Mm. And we were all dripping wet afterwards, but it was all for the sake of the bloody lizard. There are no athletes like fighting athletes to interview, let me tell you that. Compelling stories, so accessible. They are just on a different planet compared to any other sport. And that's no disrespect to your footballers, your cricketers and your golfers or whatever. Fight sports is where it's at if you want to interview somebody because you'll get something gold out of it, no question. So there you go. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you're thinking to yourself, well, hang on a minute, they had Ricky Atten on the show. Where, where was he in the podcast? Well, he's got his own podcast because he went on for that long. That's only a joke, Ricky. We wanted you to go on for that long. 45 minutes of Ricky Atten talking about his career, the highs and the lows, everything in between. It's available for you now uh, on the feed. All you've got to do is hit subscribe on iTunes or via the TalkSport website. We'll be back next week to preview UFC 249 and give you all the latest boxing news that has happened over the last seven days. And of course, bring you some of the biggest names in combat sport. It's our job to get you closer. We'll catch you next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.